I pray every week, God, what do you want me to say in my sermon? What would you, what do you, what do you want to say through me to the people that are going to be listening to me? And so often I just get in my spirit the sense that God says, tell them that I love them. Hello and welcome to You Matter, a Spring Hills podcast. I'm Josh Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us today on our Going Deeper episode. As our church grows, we want you to feel loved and cared for. And a part of caring for someone is allowing our hearts to be seen so that you can feel intimately connected to us as we love, live, and lead like Jesus Christ. Today, we are going deeper on this past weekend sermon titled, Lord and Savior, with the scripture emphasis of Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14, calling us to reflect on the attributes of Jesus. Today, I have Pastor Tom on the show to help me go deeper. Tom, how's it going? Josh, it's going great. Great to be here with you today on this pod, and I'm excited about where we're going today. So, Oh, yes. You know what? In these seasons of dreariness, when the sun does not come up, I am grateful that I have this church, I have this church family, and I have you. Yeah. It's a gift, and I hope that you can uh, grasp that, podcast listeners. This is a podcast all about providing you the opportunity to receive mentorship, love, spiritual formation, deepening of your faith, and the ability for you to just proverbially be in this room, a small space, mm-hmm. with your head pastor who loves you, cares for you, and wants to go deeper with you. Yeah. Um, just to clarify that, I love most of you. No, just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> love all of you. Just kidding. Yeah, absolutely love you. Um, so let's dive in, Josh. What's our what's our first question? Awesome. So, well, we've got a few things, as we normally do. We would always love to know if there's anything that you left out this past week. Yeah, there, there was. Um, so I had this idea that I, I was, really was trying to say when I was talking about Jesus as Savior, was just to broaden an understanding beyond a theological base of Jesus saves my soul or save me from my sins, that he that we need to develop a continuous dependence on him no matter what's happening in our life. And I was going to say in the sermon, I really wanted to say it, um, but the time I didn't have time to do it was just that human beings are needy. And just accepting the neediness that we have. And I was going to talk about how, yeah, we, we need food. You know, how long can you go without food before, you know, you're going to pass away or how, you know, humans need water. And then I was going to come back to this point of like humans need air. We, we just even without air. And then uh, I have had sadly many experiences as a pastor visiting someone in the hospital uh, who was struggling to breathe. And there was one that I remembered. I She was in Columbus and I went over to see her and I knew her, knew her family very well, but she was all alone in a hospital room. Her husband had gone somewhere. I'm not sure where. And the lights were dimmed in her room and she could not catch her breath. She just kept <laughs> the, the whole time I was there and, and she couldn't talk. Um, because she couldn't breathe and she took my hand and she pulled me like my my face down to her mouth and she said as she's trying to breathe she said pray pray um and she knew she was maybe a day from passing away she's Mm. in her mid-60s not not a very old woman um but had this respiratory issue and so i held her hand and i just prayed and i could feel the fear and the trembling that she had about not being, it it probably feels like she's drowning, even though she's not in water. She can't breathe. She can't get enough oxygen. Mm. Um, 
And I was, then I was, then I was going to basically play the song. Um, this is the air I breathe. Like the, it's a worship song about how right. like, Jesus is like right there. So, um, I was trying to make that point, really wanted to make that point about how desperately we need him. Um, he is the air we breathe that he's not just a, a savior a long time ago. I prayed a prayer. Um, uh, no, he's intimately saving us every breath that we take. Um, mm. I just didn't, I just wasn't able to like weave it, weave that into the sermon in the way that I thought would make sense. And, and, that's what I left out. No, I, I really like that. A big part of our ability to focus on Christ and focus on His most pure and beautiful attributes mm. is to also embody in ourselves the great need and dependency that we have for the very air that we breathe. Yeah. Or we really just don't fully grasp the vitality of our, our being yeah. without Christ sometimes, particularly when you're younger, high school students, younger people in younger lives, you're in your early 20s, you just mm. feel great. You can rule, conquer the world. But I... Um, as you know, we recently had a gentleman, his name is James. He's an amazing guy, recently baptized, mm-hmm. and he has in stage four uh, kidney cancer. Wow. And he came, gave his life to Christ here, and all he wants to do now, Tom, is just be here in his last remaining days. Mm. Doctors said he wasn't going to make it through the new year, Wow! And, and it was a blessing because him making it to the new year bumped up his ability for his insurance to cover most of his funeral expenses, mm. so praise God for that. Wow. But one of the greatest things is that his renewed spirit and love for Jesus Christ mm. and love for life in these last remaining days has caused the doctors to be somewhat confused by his ability to be so prolonged. Yeah. So here he is at the end of January, and he is still coming into critical stages. I picked him up Sunday morning to bring him to church, yeah. and he asked me, Josh, is there any way that I can be here on Saturday and then all day Sunday as well for mm. the, as many times as possibly as <sighs> I can? And and then I asked him as we're driving to church, I said, so how are you doing? And he says, each day when I lay in bed at night, mm. I smell differently. Mm. I smell more and more like death. Wow. And it makes me think of how grateful I am that I gave my life to Christ. Wow. Wow. It is amazing. And that's just where he is. At every moment of his day, mm-hmm. he feels like there's nothing he could do that would ever be getting enough of Jesus. And so he, his final last ask, and I said, whatever you need, yeah, whatever you need, what, what would you like? He said, can I just come to every church service and yeah. be here? Wow. And so we have a wonderful, amazing uh, husband and wife yeah. that helped find him and his need and then uh, offer a, a pastor to come to him yeah. and, and share the gospel with him, give his life. And then between that wonderful couple, they're going to try to help out yeah. on Saturdays with service. And we're going to try to keep him here all day Sunday yeah. um, until God decides to take him. But to see his joy yeah. and then also to receive those words this Sunday, driving into church services and hear that. It's important for us Mm -hmm. because it really does shift our eyes and focus towards what does it mean to really not just focus, Mm -hmm. you know, because it seems like our society today is so easily distracted by so many things that are not important. It's helpful Mm -hmm. to have stories like the one you just shared or maybe the one that I just shared that helps us to realize it shouldn't be as hard to right. focus if we're totally in the spirit and totally focused on Yeah, I, I agree completely, Josh, with that. And I think uh, that's why I, one thing I really enjoyed about that sermon series, Fix Your Eyes, the discovering the power of focus is just how people have had their 
kind of their consciousness taken back to like, oh, I need to be thinking about Jesus throughout my day, a hundred times a day, however many times I can, um, to be refocused and let him be the center of my life. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you on that. I know we got yeah. some more questions. What else? We what definitely else do. We, we have we some going? more questions. We've got three great questions here from our members. The first one is about focusing on the fullness of God. Okay. And so in this question, it says, in your sermon, you invited us to focus on Jesus and our Lord as our Lord and Savior. Since Jesus is one part of the Trinity that is God, what should we think of or focus when we think of the Holy Spirit and when we think of God the Father? So this question, I think, um, is so multifaceted. There are so many different ways that when you think about God, you can think about Him as a righteous judge. You can think about God as a loving Father. Um, but when I read this question, I immediately thought of the very last verse in the book of Second Corinthians, where Paul is giving something of a blessing, um, and he explains to us the the trinity and kind of assigns a role to each member of the trinity now it's not an exhaustive list it's not everything you should or could think about but here's what paul says this is uh second corinthians chapter 13 verse 14 the last verse in the book of second corinthians again he says this may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with all of you so we took the question from the member, what might we focus on about God the Father or about Jesus, the Holy Spirit? Paul tells us right here. He links the Lord Jesus Christ with grace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the love of God. So Paul's encouraging us when you think about the Father, think about his love. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Um, this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. First John chapter four. Um, so when you think about God, think about his love, how much he loves you. Um, I've had this experience, um, I don't know, Hundreds of times, I pray every week. God, what do you want me to say in my sermon? What would you? What do you? What do you want to say through me to the people that are going to be listening to me? And so often, I just get in my spirit the sense that God says, "Tell them that I love them. Remind them that I love them. Remind them of my love." Uh, What's interesting? I said that in a sermon, and uh, a friend of mine, his name's Michael George, is here. He's done a lot of work in Africa. And Michael, his eyes were like on fire after the sermon. And he's like, he's like, it meant so much to you what you said because I was in Africa about to preach. And I prayed, God, what, what do I say to these people? And he said, God spoke to me and said, tell them that I love them. Um, it's mm. such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so Paul's saying here, when you think about God the Father, think about his love. Think about the love he has for you. And then beautifully, Paul ends the scripture with, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That fellowship, that Greek word is the word koinonia. Um, and it is like deep friendship, the deep friendship of the Holy Spirit. So so God is loving you. Jesus has grace he's giving to you, but the Holy Spirit is right here fellowshipping with you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit means he is intimately right here. He's intimately in our midst. And you know, in the sermon last weekend, I told the story about a, a DJ and a microphone and uh, I was trying to insert like a like God is our intimate father. But, but really, you could also take that same story that I'm praying to find something, a lost microphone, um, as it's fellowship with the Holy Spirit that allows us to, to ask for uh, what we need. Um, and then have a mental picture, have an urgent impulse to find those things, you know what I mean, that have been lost or those things in our life that we um, that we really need uh, to have access to. So I think that's a, that's a short way of answering that question. Uh, when you think of God, think of love, God the Father, love, 
Jesus Grace and the Holy Spirit Fellowship, but there's infinitely more ways to think about that. So I just encourage you out there listening to this pod, um, take, take this question on yourself. How, how do you, how do you want to focus on God the Father? How do you want to focus on Jesus? Uh, how do you think you should focus on the Holy Spirit and dig into it? Don't, don't just take your mind, dig into scripture, uh, dig into, you know, really those things about God that, that are there for you. And, um, I think it's an important thing, most certainly. What do you think, Josh, about what I'm, what I'm, you buying what I'm selling? Well, I am definitely buying what you're selling. I think that when we spoke about this question earlier today, we spoke about how there are an infinite amount of things that we can think of. When we think of Jesus, the attributes of Jesus, the attributes of the Holy Spirit, the attributes of God the Father, and it could go on. It would be in its entire podcast itself series if yeah. you were to actually think of it in terms like that. Uh, one thing that I can think of is, is that, like you said at the very tail end, is that is to just go to scripture and to allow God to begin a journey of self-revelation of all of his beautiful attributes through the word of God. I was speaking with an amazing man earlier today, actually, and he was talking about how you could even look to the eight miracles that John wrote of in the gospel, but while at the same time John wrote at the end of his gospel, if there if if I could write all the things that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books and enough papyrus in the world to to write them all down. And and that's the reality is so you can receive podcast listeners a challenge to go on your own beautiful adventure quest of receiving the fruits of what is God and how do we perceive him to be through his beautiful attributes when we focus on him and we have no other better place than his beautiful inherent word of God. And, you know, and I think that's really where where we can go from there on that one. I do have, I do have yeah. another question here for you. So this one is a question about what we should focus on or think of when we think of our spouses. So the question is, my spouse has many amazing things about him. He also has frustrating things about him, just like I know I do. What can I focus on about my husband, regardless of whether or not he is having a good day or a bad day? Well, I appreciate this question, and I yeah, I really like it. Um, actually, when I'm doing marriage counseling, there's a, a good amount of focus on how you should think of your spouse or what you should do. And I have a little phrase that I say very often, and the phrase is, protect your spouse in your mind. You need to protect your spouse from the thoughts that you would be thinking about your spouse. Um, you be very careful when you stray into venting frustration with your spouse in your own mind or with someone else, which I would highly advise you not to do. Just go gossip about your husband or wife with someone else. Don't do that. Um, and you want to protect the thoughts that you're thinking about your spouse because you, the, what you think will directly impact what you feel. Um, there's a principle in marriage that says we are called to build, um, cultivate affection for our spouse. Uh, we want to cultivate feelings of uh, just you know love and affection for them. How do you do that? Well, you think about them in a, in a certain specific way. You think about all the things you love about them. You think about all the ways that they, um, you know, who they are in their, in their core as a person. And so uh, my advice would be, if you're frustrated with your spouse, immediately bring it up. 
immediately with as much emotional intelligence and conversational skill that you possibly have, uh, probably something along the lines of, uh, hey, you just said this, you just did this, and I just want you to know I, that was, I'm a little frustrated. Um, I know you didn't intend to, or I know that's not your character or whatever, but I need to let you know that because accumulating frustrations uh, will sour the thoughts that you have in your mind. Um, you know, I also talk about in marriage counseling how uh, unresolved conflict is like a landmine sitting in your living room. You don't know it's there, but then you step on it and it explodes because uh, you didn't resolve the conflict. You didn't resolve the frustration, the frustrating sure. feelings. Now, if someone would just say personality wise, I cannot mention the second that I'm frustrated to my husband or my, my wife. Uh, hey, stop right there. I just want you to know you just frustrated me. Um, then I think you should set uh, a time frame about about a week. You, should, you, you can't go beyond a week. Um, of course, Jesus, you know, well, it says in, in Ephesians 4, uh, don't let the sun go down, you know, on your anger. Um, if we take that verse into marriage and we say, I'm not going to, I'm going to I'm going to deal with the frustration I have quickly. Um, you can probably move move through it really quickly, and and then your thoughts are not straying towards the negative on your spouse. Mm-hmm. I do believe this, Josh. And podcast listeners, you can take this through your grid of like, is this true or false? I think you and I, Josh, right now could, if we wanted to, pick anybody that we know that we both know. And just start talking bad. Just, just you say one bad thing about him. I'll say one bad thing about him. And before long, we're going to have this kind of anger or frustration. Or why are they always like that? Why do they, you know, whatever. Mm. Or we could take the very same person that you and I maybe both know and just say things we love about them. Just, say, just say things about them that we admire and that we really like. And with, within a minute or two, we're going to be feeling a fondness and an affection for them. Like, mm. oh, they're our friend. We love them. Um, and I, I just think we have such power over our emotions by the way we think. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be very careful. I've been married 26 years and met with over a thousand people to talk about their marriages. Be very careful how you allow yourself to think about sure. your spouse sure. um, because it will directly affect how you feel about them. It's going to slip into your tone of voice. Um, and you want to be cautious of that too, that the tone, the, the way that you're speaking to your spouse is affected by how you think about them. And you can be the best actor in the world, but sooner or later, that that a little bitterness, a little contempt, a little frustration is going to leak out. So the best thing to do when you're frustrated, directly head on, deal with it. Um, and that's going to protect your heart and how you see them and how you how you think about them mm-hmm. in that way. So I think I just said a lot, Josh. I just said a whole lot of stuff. Uh, can you unpack what I said? What do you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, well, you said a lot there, but I'm actually thinking back to my premarital counseling days with you yeah. when Lee and I were getting married. And I remember you saying a few things. Um, but one of the things that you said that was always powerful and it stuck with me. And then I later down the road made a connection to a famous author. And I'm not sure if you pulled that together or not, or if that's where it came from or not. But you always said that when it came to having healthy arguments with mm-hmm. your spouse in the future, you need to always look at them as if they are Christ. Yeah. Like to treat them like that there is goodness in them. If, if there's something that you need to highlight in them because you feel like you need to share something that's frustrating you. They're not a bad person. Right. What they're doing or have done is causing consternation. And C.S. Lewis always referred to it as, as we are called to be little Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought later down the road when I read a book by C.S. Lewis, I was like, oh, I wonder if he meant that connection. Like mm-hmm. we are to just imagine as though our spouses are little Christ. But it's so important, like what you said about the power mm-hmm. of our thoughts. Right. And I have, um, I had a Christian friend who is a counselor and he has done 
decades of counseling, and he came across a man, him and his wife actually, it was a member of their church, and this, the husband and wife sought them out to seek counseling, specifically the man to meet with him, and then the woman to meet with his wife, and the man met with the husband, and they sit down to have coffee, and and then my friend says, so so what's the problem? So what's the problem? He said, I, I married the wrong woman. Hmm. And my friend said, thought to himself, he basically thought, he said, wow, if that's true, that's a, that's a really hard way of life. If that's, if that's really true, tell me the story behind this. And he says, well, you know, we, we dated quickly. We kind of had later in life, our marriage came later in life. We had some of our own wounding that brought into the story. We got married quickly and then we went on our honeymoon and, you know, like probably like most couples, the honeymoon night doesn't always go as well as planned. He had some preconceived notions. This man did. He had some sexual addictions that he was bringing into it. Um, the the wife had some abuse related concerns, so she had some vulnerability issues mm-hmm. for that intimacy. And the night didn't go well. And he felt like he heard the voice from God say, "You married the wrong woman." Hmm. And he made that commitment and agreement right then and there. And Obviously, my friend at the time was like, "Well, I don't, I don't really think that's God." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's God. But the reality is, is how you view that, and the, and they tried very, very hard both times to many, many different counseling sessions, wife with the woman, and you know, husband with the the friend, and it didn't work out, and yeah. then they ended up being divorced, and you know, that's the the end of that story. But the reality is, is you have to guard your thoughts, is yeah. really what you said, and I just think that that's so important. And if you are being, if you are marrying under the authority of Christ, then you need to be able to embody like, I am seeking the good in this person. At the yeah. core of them is someone who is committed to Christ. Yeah. And that's who I need to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Most certainly agree with that. But I think, I think too, the other principle here is, um, yeah, there's some good rules here. Like never, ever say the word divorce in your marriage. Never threaten divorce. Never say, if you do that one more time, that, you know, I think that's a, gr- a good, important thing to never let your mind go there. But then secondly, what you, that story you just told, you never want to, never, ever, ever let yourself think, uh, this is impossible. I can't be married to this woman or this man or, or I married the wrong person. That just, that thinking alone is so, um, such an obstacle to making the relationship work. If you're if you're toying with the idea that maybe it's the wrong person or maybe it's the wrong you know the the wrong thing, um, it just it's it's like poison in a marriage. You've got to keep your mind on that. Like, no, we're gonna figure this out. This person has great gifts and skills, and I love their heart, and we're having a hard time right now, but we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna go in the right direction. We're gonna get help, um, which is always good. Hey, listeners out there, you know there there are places and people that can help you with your marriage. There's even books to read um, that can really be really helpful for marriage and just kind of, you know, thinking through those things. So definitely. And one of the things that I think about when I think about one of the phenomenal attributes of God, one of the phenomenal attributes of Jesus or the Holy Spirit or God, the father is sheer holiness. Yeah. And if the other person is to embody a critical, like aspect of this of god then they will embody the holiness and just like jesus like trying to approach holiness being that we are imperfect yeah it burns it purifies us and that when we're we're in a relationship sometimes the contrast right of frustrations can be related to the fact that you are being met with yourself and your own shortcomings like the holy purifying presence of christ it can be frustrating and maybe it will pull you closer to holiness as a result. Yeah, very good. All right, we have our final question here. And this question is about focusing on Jesus's peace. 
In Matthew 6, 25, 31-33, and John 14, 27, you talked about how we can focus on Jesus' offering of peace. What advice can you give me when I know God's promises should give me peace, but I often get affected by the negativity around me? Well, you know, I know these verses refer to um, the peace that Christ gives. Um, I'm especially drawn to the John 14 verse where he says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Uh, Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I I think in one way, when we think about the peace of Christ, we want to acknowledge like he's given it to us. We have his peace. And so the situation we find ourselves in is we're full of anxiety, but we have the peace of Christ. How do we change that? How do, how do, we, how do we have that experience? Um, and, you know, in Philippians 4, Paul gives a pretty clear, pretty clear outline. Uh, it really talks through, you know, you feel anxious, you pray. You come to him in prayer you're with uh, thanksgiving and supplication uh, or petition in some translations. And that really is about the petition is about listing out. You're just in an open prayer. You are confessing to God everything giving you anxiety or maybe you're writing it down in a prayer journal or whatever and you're having that experience and i think what you want to do is keep praying you keep giving that to god until you have his peace if you pray and say god give me your peace and nothing happens nothing changes well you didn't pray long enough you haven't you haven't really invested the time necessary to really meet with him to really come to that place but really ultimately living with the peace of christ uh, goes back to that verse i shared not this weekend but last weekend in isaiah 26 3 which says we have perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him, or the other translation says our thoughts are fixed on him because we trust him. So I rearranged that verse in that sermon to say, um, because we trust him, our thoughts are fixed on him, and we have perfect peace. Um, so ultimately, mm. having peace, having the peace of Christ, there's a, a momentary peace that you pray and, and seek God to have that peace in the moment, but a lifestyle of peace, living in the peace of Christ, where where things just don't ruffle your feathers very much and you're just kind of solid and established in your faith, is comes down to the trust, the trusting of Jesus, the, the true trust structures of your life. And it also goes back to that quote that I shared from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in this sermon as well, where basically the quote says, um, I believe that God will give me the strength I need for whatever I will face. He used the word distress. I believe that in my distress, God will give me the strength that I need. And then he said, this belief eliminates all fear of the future. Here's a man in prison who is eventually executed in that prison saying, I have no fear of the future because whatever happens, I believe I will have that strength. He also says in the quote, um, but God doesn't give us the strength in advance. Otherwise, we trust in ourselves and not him. Um, it's at the moment of the need that I can experience the strength, or in this case, the peace mm. that Christ is bringing to us. So it's again, it comes back to this trust. It comes back to this like, I know God will give me what I need to meet the moment, whatever the moment, whatever the challenge that moment brings, I know God will give me the strength that is there. And just for me personally, that's 100% true. That, that is what I feel. Um, I never know what a, any day is gonna bring. You know, this, you, you know, Josh, I'm working here in the church. <laughs> things happen, things change, we pivot. You know, you didn't know, well, you had a plan for the day, but boom, that plan's, that plan's gone. Uh, and, but, but it's also that belief, that internal strength of belief that whatever does come, Christ will give me the strength. He'll give me the guidance. He'll, he'll, he'll show the way forward no matter what the crisis is that comes. And we, so we have peace because we trust 
in him, not, not in ourselves. Without him, um, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough intelligence. I don't have enough uh, willpower, whatever it might be. But in him, I can believe, yes, in Christ, he will deliver to me, to you, to us, what we need to face a crisis. That's where peace you can live in that peace. Um, but there is a momentary peace. There's that peace you go after when it feels like you're drowning and all of a sudden things are crazy. And I think you pray. You pray to achieve that peace. You pour out your heart to God and uh, mm-hmm. prayers and thanksgiving and petitions, like it says in Philippians 4, to really get to that get to that place. So um, I think I, I believe with all my heart, the peace of God is a reality. The peace of God is available. You're one prayer away from the presence of God at all times, mm-hmm. at every moment. And, but you got to believe it. You got to believe it and you got to go get it. And the more you do it, the more confidence you have in your ability to have that peace that Christ is offering. Hmm. What do you think, Josh, about all that? Well, everything you said, I 100% agree with. I, in my personal journey right now, am seeing two critical categories of where peace is coming from God for me. Yeah. And in a world that has gone mad with subjectivity and relativity, right? I have one thing that I know offers peace because it is the source of truth, the Word of God. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate that we can't get everybody on board Mm -hmm. with the Word of God being the sole source by which someone can operate their life. But when madness ensues, and it will because there are opposing forces that don't agree with the complete solidarity and truth of the Word of God, that, that we will experience times of troubles. uh, times of struggle. Our blueprint for our day gets disrupted and we can't necessarily work our plan as much as we would like to, but we can trust on one place being the truth, the unchanging, unwavering nature of God and his revelation in his word of God. And I think that's a huge element for me in my life right now is to know that that is a critical piece of it. The other thing that I have noticed too in my attempts to achieve the peace, the peace that is offered through God, is in the thoughts of what we have been enduring through the technology shifts in our world today. Hmm. So over the last 80 years, technology has boomed, and even in the last 10 to 15 years, it has accelerated at such a high rate that we can't even calculate anymore to these days. And the main aim to the game is if technology can get your attention. Right. Okay. And then the next level of technology's enhancement is to get your intimacy. And so if I can get your attention, the thing that has the most of my attention will be the thing that I love the most. It will be the thing that I hope will offer me peace. Hmm. And so what I have come to learn in this engaging, ever-increasing society of technology that is vying for my attention, whether it be social media or any form of email, any form of technological device, it is getting smarter and smarter. And as as it has leveraged itself in the attempts to get more and more of our attention, podcast listeners, or even my attention, its next step is to try to get my intimacy. And I have to make a decision. Where is my peace coming from? Mm-hmm. It will come from the thing that I love the most. Am I giving my all my attention, the most of my attention, 
to God. Yeah. So when you say um, you're actually you're you're like low key quoting Jesus when you like like where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is what Correct. Uh, it's the same principle that you're saying. It's yeah. it's the thing that you have the most affection, the most attention giving is the most affection that you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's so many applications of that. You use technology as an example, but another good example is you know sports. Uh, the more you love your team, the more focused you are on exactly what's happening and what's going on. The more it has your affection and you. You go to it for peace. You go to it for satisfaction, and then your team loses. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden your life is upside down, and, you're, and then you realize, yeah, I, I gave my heart to the wrong thing. Um, mm-hmm. The thing to give your heart to is Christ, is God, God's work in you. Absolutely. Um, well, Josh, what a great podcast! It was an awesome podcast. Would you like me to pray and close this thing out? I would absolutely love for you to pray. Thank you so much. Yeah. Father God, we thank you for this podcast and we thank you, God, to understand Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We thank you that as a Savior, Jesus, you consistently are here supplying what we need. We need to be dependent on you in every moment, just seeing you as as the air we breathe, seeing you intimately connected with us. But also, Jesus, you are our Lord. We are to obey you, to repent from self-sufficiency, repent from self-focused living, and make you, Jesus, the Lord and the center of our lives. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.